podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of FPL Black Box. And of course, our first of the 22-23 season. Look at all our new graphics. Aren't they shiny, Mark? I know. Like the colours. Like the colours. Like the uh, the new green. The mint won out, didn't it, in the voting in the preseason? It did. It did. And there's all, there's always a bit of a, always going to be a bit of a pushback on it because people don't like change. Um, but I'm really happy with them. I think they look really nice. And you went, you went for the dark look as well, the dark mode, as people call it. Is that is that how you have your Twitter as well? Uh, yes, of course. Everything, everything on has got to be has got to be in dark mode these days. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's the it's the future. Fair enough. Great opening there for the podcast listener. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> this is the first preseason uh, black box, the first of the new season, twenty two, twenty three. Great to be back. We're not match fit. We'll take a couple of episodes, but we'll get up to speed by game week one. That's the plan, right? Ed? Will we? Do we ever get up to speed? Is this is about as good as it gets? I mean, we nearly went um, on time today, except for my toilet breaking um, in the in the you know closing stages. Uh, yeah, you better go into detail on that. When you say toilet breaking, that isn't <laughs> taking multiple toilet breaks, is it? It isn't. No, no. Uh, it's it's. I've, I've had I've had this issue before actually. If if anyone was watching a scout video, I was late for a scout video about six seven months ago. Uh, toilet wasn't working and the same things happen. There's problems with the pipes, it seems. Plumbing problems uh, Plumbing affecting problems. your live streaming. It's outrageous. And I had all the tech ready to go and uh, yeah, the, the gremlins of your toilet struck. But never mind, we're ready to go now. Uh, we're, well, I'm on a spaces later at 9.30, so I've got to get cracking. We've got to go at pace, but uh, they can wait, can't they? Oh, is that for, that for Fest? That is for Fest. We'll talk about mm. Fest at the end. So what we're going to do in tonight's show, we're basically going to look at um, ownership. We're going to look at player value. We're going to look at the community template. We're going to look at our first drafts, of course. Um, there was exactly two weeks to go. Mm. Effectively, two weeks from this current time, there'll be three minutes to go to the first kickoff. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It's gone quite quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, it, ha- yeah, it kind of has, and it and it hasn't really. Um, I mean, we, we should have a, we should be having we've had a World Cup or be having a World Cup or something. We we haven't had that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been kind of a nice break, but I've also been doing stuff for scouts. So it hasn't really felt like a full break, but it's yeah. been a bit quieter. Also, it's been nice. I'm looking forward to it starting though. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a very busy summer for for me as a Forest fan, but more on that later. First <laughs> mention of Jesse Lingard after 11, five minutes. <laughs> Eleven signings. Yeah, is it? it's no. still we're still coming through the door. Though. It's revolving doors at Forest at the moment. Ooh. It's very exciting. Link with a new player every day. So, um, do you see today? Dusan Tadic is the latest yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, another oh, FBL legend. That would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> another one of my favourite players in FBL as well as uh, all life. Are you saying Jesse Lingard is an FPL legend? Is that what you were hinting for at? For me, is he is. Well, for me. Well, of course, for two seasons ago, he was the spot. Him and, and Gundogan were responsible for my rank, weren't they, that, that season? Mm. Not last oh, season. Jesse. We won't talk about last season, but the season before last. <laughs> getting on Lingard and the, the XG-defined performances that he put in were made my season. So I loved him from that point on. So now he's through the door. There we go. Five minutes in and Jesse gets his first mention. <laughs> Three times already. It's so impressive. <laughs> um, you got, we got a sponsor. We, we, we're all grown up, aren't we? We've got a sponsor for tonight's episode. Let's, uh, let's bring details of that as, and you can tell us all about it. Yeah. So we've, um, this episode is sponsored by NordVPN. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people were familiar with, with VPNs and what they do, helping you kind of beef up your 
internet security and your privacy um, and all of that. I mean, the the hacks and stuff of, of the last season and the season before really made me kind of, you know, and data leaks and all that kind of stuff really made me kind of fix things. So I, I got myself a password manager thing. I have all unique passwords now. All that kind of stuff is really important. So it's not and Brighton zero one anymore than as it's not. It's not no, it's not. It's not Brighton zero one. No, one of my friends actually had a um a password which was just I love, and then what other girlfriend he had at the time. So he was. His, Ooh, he was that really could be sad. very very dangerous. I, I would know. Never have done well, that. it was absolutely. I know because then he'd be logging into accounts with the wrong. Part, all, oh, all that that's kind a of bad avoid. Exactly. Yeah. So you can avoid all that with uh, with NordVPN. People might know NordVPN as well. If you watch like YouTube shows, people like PewDiePie and some of the really big guys all endorse it. The Trustpilot reviews are really good. It's like the best VPN you can get. So yeah, we're really happy to kind of um, promote it because I mean, you use a VPN, don't you? I've been I've started using the VPN as well. I do. Your, I do. If you're in public places. I mean, it is. It's where if you're in public places, you've got to watch your connection. Also, if you go to like... Um, you know, some dubious footballers, TikToks or Instagram accounts. You know, I'm not saying who, you know, but you want to be, you want to be protecting your, your IP, don't you? Basically, if you're doing that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So uh, with NordVPN, there's three packages, standard, uh, the plus, which is VPN and the password manager, uh, complete VPN, the password manager and the locker. So you can secure all your files. We've got an affiliate link, um, with, which is nordvpn.com forward slash scout. Uh, you get a month free if you use that affiliate link. And the best bit is you get 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, um, for whatever reason, you get a full refund. So I just I strongly urge anyone who is, is uses the internet or is worried in any way about security just to get these things in place. Because You can also, as if I'm right in saying, change your IP address to another country's IP address and get Netflix and that. You can do it. And even maybe football, I've heard, but I don't want to go into that. That's, no. that's the dark no. arts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can do all that. There's, lo- there's loads of benefits to it. So... Yeah, give it give it a go. There you go. NordVPN.com forward slash scout. Aren't we grown up? PewDiePie's got a sponsor now we have as well. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, I nearly mentioned Jesse again then in the TikTok reference, but I just let it go, let it go. Um, right, let's start. Let's start looking ahead to the 22-23 season. I'm going to bring up a graphic by uh, Holly, Holly Shand, who's known to us and the community. If you don't follow her, it's at Holly Shand. Excellent account to follow. Does a load of stuff. She does things on TikTok as well. She's one of the first on TikTok, actually. Um, And what she did, I think this is the best visual breakdown of the season and what we've got ahead of us. Um, And what's interesting about the season, this one in particular, is it's got the World Cup smack bang in the middle of it. How do you think that's going to go? It's it's, it's between, what is it, 18 and 19, is it? Or 17 and 18, the World Cup. It is crazy, isn't it? There it is. 16 and 17, sorry. I That's mean, it's, mad, isn't it? It's so it's so random when you <clears throat> when you think about. It. I mean, I guess it's less random for some of the other leagues because they have like the winter breaks and stuff. But for us, you know, just to have that tournament just drop straight in, um, you know, then come. Back. I mean, I guess it is even weirder for the other leagues because they're used to a break and they're getting a World Cup instead. I, I don't really know how the other leagues are are kind of coping with it. But our system is is odd. Um, it's going to shake up FPL. This new wild card is going to be really interesting. And we're going to be talk about it uh, later. Uh, but yeah, an extra wild cards early on for FPL managers yeah. probably means we're going to be wildcarding a lot earlier with our first one this season. Yeah, I think it, I think it makes you think. I mean, the interesting thing for me is that by game week eighteen, you you're getting to your what you know your you, possibly you're getting to your third keeper and so on. So it makes you think about your goalkeeper differently because often the case um, you pick your your game week one lineup with the almost the full season in mind you shouldn't but you do mm. you kind of do don't you you kind of 
And it, it, you've got to remind yourself that actually it's very likely I'm going to play the wild card early and therefore I should only look at the, maybe the first four or five game weeks, which is what we're going to look at tonight. Um, but yeah, I, with this wild card coming in between 18, 17 and 18, I think it is, um, you're effectively getting to change your team twice ahead of game week 18, which we're not used to doing. And of course, you get the second wild card for the second half of the season. And as you can see by Holly's graphic, you know, we know there's blank game weeks and double game weeks to come in that second half of the season. And of course, that's when all the chips come into play, including that that second wild card, if you like. So, um, yeah, it's an, it's unlimited transfers, the the World Cup one, rather than a wild card, isn't it? I think it, it's not officially called a wild card, but is there any, it is. Is it there is. any difference? No, there's no difference whatsoever. <laughs> but, yeah, it's confusing when you're thinking about world card one and wild card two. Do you think, what's the repercussions of this? Do you, I mean, obviously, there's going to be, there's the break and there's fatigue and there's... But do you think also players who are going to be vying to get in World Cup squads, we've never had it that mid-season they're going to be, you know, presumably buoyed by the fact they're pushing to get into that squad, mm. right? You know, normally it's the end of the season. You you think, well, that could be a factor because so-and-so is trying to get into the X squad and therefore he's going to be trying to get minutes. He's going to try and impress. I mean, obviously players go out to impress every game, but you've got to think the World Cup's a pretty big incentive for anyone trying to get into that England squad, for example, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at a player like James Justin, for example. So he's, yeah. he's someone who's kind of on the periphery of, of the England squad, I imagine. I think he, he probably gets in anyway because of his versatility across that that back line. But he's the kind of player who will be thinking, OK, I need to have a strong start to the season, you know, and, and make sure I get into that squad. There's going to be loads of players like that. But on the flip side, it also means players like Salah, who are just going to have their feet yeah. up for a month. You know, it, that's, it, that's going to be really important when we're picking this wildcard to kind of you know, look, really look to see who's getting knocked out early, who's just going to have their feet up the whole time and and look for those. But I think definitely with our with our kind of early moves, targeting players who are looking to get into that into that World Cup side is, is, is a really good idea, I think. But of course, there's no point in sitting here now and planning for that between 17 and 18 because we've got our first wild card. So again, it's not like we can sit and go, oh, I'm going to get that player because they don't go to the World Cup because you've got that mm. opportunity with the wild card that you must play in that first half of the season. So that's why it, it's strange. We need to think about it, but we don't need to think about it just yet, perhaps, because um, your game week one lineup shouldn't be influenced by that World Cup because of the wild card. Now, I think my theory is that many will play their first wild card between, what, five and eight? Is that what your thinking is as well, with that international break there as well? Yeah, I mean, I think eight would, would probably be quite late. I think it's going to be between five and six for for a lot of people. Mm. There's some good fixture turns for for some for some sides like Leicester, for example, and I think people are going to really target that first block of fixtures where we've got some good games for some sides, and then and then kind of swap things around. So yeah, re- really early wildcards. I think all rounds. No, no one's going to be leaving it till like ten or eleven. I don't think. Yeah, and the other thing to look at there, as Holly points out in the graphic, is the uh, European group start in between six, seven, right? Yeah. So not only should we look at a swing around them, but the fact that obviously with the five subs this season, teams are going to have a much more ability, or more ability to rest players with the, the Champions League and Europa League in mind. So mm. that that's going to be the first, I think that around there is where we're really going to see the five subs comes into play. It's going to take a few weeks for us to judge how it's going to affect minutes. But when the, when the European ties kick in as well midweek that's when we really expect to go okay we're going to learn quite a lot about how Pep and Klopp for example view their use of the five subs that's going to be intriguing and again that's a reason why having that wildcard played around that time 
when we've got some information and data on that and some examples of that, could be really useful, right? Mm. I, I wonder as well. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about kind of Salah having having his feet up and stuff, but mm. you know, and, and you kind of said that that might not kind of factor into our decision making at the start. But do you think there might be players who are going off to the World Cup, definitely going off to the World Cup? There might be something around not wanting to kind of overload them too much, particularly in the kind of the weeks building up to it. So maybe the players who aren't going to the World Cup, maybe they feature a bit you know, more or something like that. Like, I'm just thinking of someone like Salah, for example. There's no reason to kind of rest Salah or even take him off because you know he's going to have those, those that time to kind of rest when the World Cup's on. So there's kind of two things, is so. The players that are vying for it and then the players who are definitely going, maybe they... Yeah, it could them. be. I mean, like, why, why would the clubs be motivated to rest players for the World Cup? They're not going to care, are they? They're just going to put their best team out. They're well, not going they'll, to... They'll care if they go off and get injured at the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I guess so. Come back. It's... I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean... I think certainly leading up to like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, these are the game weeks leading up to the World Cup break. It's going to be really interesting, isn't it? And with the five subs, I mean, it, all bets are off, really. We're, we're kind of relearning the way that expected minutes work, for example. When I say expected minutes, that's the minutes that players get on the pitch. We've got an it's idea. It has. It is. And I think this is the, the subs and the World Cup have really brought it to the fore this season. It's probably going to be at its most important, I would have thought. And again, but that's going to be a factor tonight when we start looking at players. It's certainly it's certainly a factor when you look at two strikers in particular, Ireland mm. and Kane, I think. Um, right, ticket. I've got a theory that game weeks one to five is is a period where, well, I'm going to go into the season probably thinking game weeks one to five, I'm going to run my team as it is and play the wild card somewhere after that. Maybe between five and six, maybe between seven and eight, six and seven, but it's going to be around that time. So, I'm currently just looking at the first five game weeks when I'm building my game week one squad um, or largely looking at that anyway. Is, is that in line with your thinking or are you looking beyond that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fixtures are always ridiculously important. Um, you know, they're probably the most important metric. You know, we talk about fixtures, underlying yeah. stats, all these kind of things. I mean, the trouble is a team like Leeds, for example, have got like one of the best first five games out there. They've got Wolves, Southampton, okay, Chelsea, but then Brighton and, and Everton. So a lot of people are going for Melier, um, you know, going for, well, that's pretty about it. Now Rafinha's gone, but I'm seeing him, him mentioned or, you know, even, even that new centre-back I've seen him coming up in a couple of teams. And I just think, I know, the I know those first five are important, but do I really want to get poor players from those sides just because they've got good fixtures? I think the good thing is, is that you've got City, you've got Liverpool and you've got Chelsea and Arsenal all right at the top of the ticker. So it would be, I think it'd be a bit more interesting if we saw some of, you know, some of the other teams like, like Leicester, for example, like we don't really know what we're going to get with Leicester, but if they had mm. really good opening five fixtures, I think that'd be really interesting because that would kind of give you that decision to make. But because it's kind of worked out that all the top teams have really good first five, that just seems to be the obvious strategy. I did a team reveal with, with Praz earlier, for example, and he had 10 players from the top five sides. Yeah. Neto. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to touch on that in a minute. I've got an interesting set of charts. I, I mean, basically over the summer, I've gone around and collected some of the stuff that really caught my interest. And I've got a set of charts um, by, um, yeah, who, is, who, who put them together? Chase, yeah, at Chase FBL, mm. who uh, has done some rolling XG charts. We'll look at those in a minute. But it certainly kind of endorses looking at like the top four or five teams only. Well, um, that's it. And the it... pricing allows us to do that. I mean, we talked about the pricing previously. It is kind, isn't it, in some areas? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of defence. And the reason why you can get 10, 10 out of 11 of your team is because you, you target those wing-backs and those full-backs. I mean, you look at, you look at teams like Palace, uh, look at teams like Newcastle, 
um, you know, even like Southampton or West Ham, the fixtures aren't that good. So it doesn't really promote their players yeah. kind of high enough. So yeah, I think going for the first five or six fixtures on its own, it would be a good strategy. But because we've got the, all the top teams with the best fixtures, it's just the most obvious play. It is, it really is. But, but what's interesting is because we've got that unlimited transfers between 17 and 18, you're not going to want to push the wild card close to that. You're going to want to play it as far away from that as possible, right? So you're not going to play it perhaps in the first two or three game weeks. You're going to try and avoid to do that. You're not going to pick a game week one squad with the idea that you're going to play a wild card in two or three. You might mm. have to because you might you might get something very wrong or bandwagons might kick off that you've got to jump on, right? There's a possibility that we all end up wild carding in three or four. But in terms of planning, you're probably going to look for a sweet spot of five, six, seven maybe eight, but that's nearing that game week seven. That's a bit too close. You want to play it earlier. So because of that, do you not think you could take more risks with your opening team? Because I've seen a lot of people say that, yeah, Salah's kind of essential, but if if there's ever a season where you could go against him, because you know for sure you're going to be wildcarding quite early and maybe very early because of that unlimited transfers over the World Cup, Maybe this is the season where you would take a few more risks with your game week one lineup and players like Melier. That's you know you, mm. you're going to be on your third keeper by game week eighteen, right? So the idea of picking a game week one goalkeeper that has to serve you for the season, you know, it's not it's not true no, at all, absolutely. right? So yeah. what what do you think about that? I mean, would you take more risk because of that? Yeah, I mean, there's certain kind of like non-negotiable players, isn't there? Like you're looking at Trent Cancelo, probably a Chelsea fullback. Um, and then, but then apart from that, I think, you know, this, this news about Haaland's been quite interesting because we've suddenly seen Haaland go from in everyone's draft on Twitter yeah. to suddenly falling out of favour a little bit. And people are thinking, oh, maybe I could go for De Bruyne. Maybe I could get Kane in there instead and mm. kind of assess that and see what's happened. Um, United with Rashford sort of emerging with Ronaldo's problems. He's actually entered into the template now. When I did the, the poll on, on Twitter and asked for people's teams, Rashford was in, was in nearly every team that, that I looked at. Um, so people are trying to find ways to kind of differentiate. I mean, Rashford, for example, is now becoming templates. That kind of mm. makes a whole whole kind of new issue. That means Martinelli, for example, is now maybe less template. So I think we are starting to see the pool of players grow. And we'll talk about the template team later, but I was actually quite happy to see quite a bit of diversity in people's teams. There's these same core players, same five or six core players, mm. but the kind of fringe players are actually changing around quite a bit as more options emerge. So there is there is a strong template, but I think a lot of people are thinking like you do and thinking I can differentiate a little bit with, with some of these some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I just think there's a bit more freedom when you know you're going to be playing the wild card around yeah. four, five, six, right? You know that there's no like, like previous seasons. It's been I'm going to save it till late because there's double game weeks to come around eighteen, nineteen, twenty. So if I can play the first wild card nearer that, I don't have to play the second wild card for eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I can use my first wild card to do it. So you push that wild card right at the end, yeah, like yeah. 17, 18. Whereas this season, there's no way you're going to do that because of the World Cup. You're going to play it in a single digit game week, probably. I mean, don't have well, to, I, but you probably are. I think United are the perfect team for that because before the season, no one was considering any of them, right? Mm. And then the prices came out and we all thought, oh, actually, okay, some of these prices are quite kind. And now I'm seeing Sancho, Rashford, Martial. Martial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen too many Fernandes because he's, he's obviously that little bit more money. Adalo is coming into the equation yeah. now as a, as a 4.5 defender. They're the kind of players who I feel like, okay, you get them in straight away. You see if there's a kind of, are they going to ride a wave of, of Ten Hag? And if they haven't after three or four games, you think, oh, okay, I'm going to go wildcard anyway and, and you get shot. I mean, Rashford at 6.5, for example. Yeah, what, what you I, know. Why not? It's worth a go, isn't it? Yeah, yeah why not? 
I love that ride a wave of ten hog. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Is there going to be wave ten highs? A lot of a lot of confidence in, in what yeah, you're doing. Well, I mean, you got to look at the impact a new manager can have, and we saw it last season with, with how we saw it with Conte. You know, it 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 is one of the biggest factors in turning the team around. There's no doubt about it. As well as obviously new players, but yeah, what we're seeing pre-season is promising. We'll look at the pre-season results and form players in in perhaps a new ep- next episode. But we're not going to dwell on it here because there's big friendlies to come, of course, still, and the Community Shield. My point here is there is a fixture swing as well after game week five, because if you look at the teams at the top here, Arsenal, Man City, Wolves, Liverpool, and then you look down the bottom of this ticker and you see the newly promoted teams, Fulham, Forest, without a badge, come on scouts, sort it out, um, and Bournemouth <laughs> at the bottom, Bournemouth at the very bottom. Bournemouth start with Villa, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Wolves, a really tough first five. Forest have Newcastle, West Ham, Everton, Spurs, City, so pretty tough, and Fulham, Liverpool, Wolves, Brentford, Arsenal, Brighton. So both of them have like two or even three tough fixtures in the opening five. Whereas at the top, just as you said, the cream cream of the crop, Liverpool and City have great starts. Arsenal, great start. Wolves, not a team we'd normally look at, but the fixtures turn our heads. Mm. Both four excel. If you then move on to game week six, running up to game week 16, um, and you could go further, you could go to 17. Obviously, I think it's 17 before we get the... The, um, the, extra, the unlimited transfers, it changes completely. From game week six onwards, Bournemouth go from the bottom of the ticker to the very top. Um, they have an incredible run. They don't play any big sides apart from Spurs at home in game week 14. So suddenly that swing is there. Also, if you look, Forest a third on the ticker. Fulham are a little bit further down, but they have a really good run between game weeks eight and 14. So suddenly I look at this and go, after game week five, the likes of Solanke, Johnson called Lingard, Mitrovic for sure. These are players that, although I'm not looking at them for game week one, probably, I'm definitely going to look at them with my first wild card because there is that swing. And look at the bottom. Look at the bottom of the ticker. Arsenal bottom, Wolves second from bottom, Liverpool fourth from bottom. And don't forget as well, European games kick in at this point as well. So not only do these teams have tougher fixtures, they also have tougher schedules. So there is a definite swing at this point, isn't there? Yeah, and it's going to be these kind of like fringy players that, that we kind of swap out and we'll have a bit of data to kind of back some of them up. Even though they'll have hard fixtures, we'll still see who's, you know, making good runs, whose underlying stats are good, all that kind of thing. I mean, because we're, we're not going to be getting rid of like Cancelo, Trent, Diaz, Salah, Haaland, you know, those five, even though they kind of fall down somewhat on, on the ticker. But getting, you know, if you start with two Wolves players and two Arsenal players, for example, play the wild card, swap those out, get in your, your Forest lot, get in your Lingard um, for, for Martinelli. Um, and, and Leicester, I mean, that Leicester run is, is incredible. That's when Madison and Justin and yeah. you know, maybe even Vardy or someone really can can propel you up because there's going to be a lot of people that don't react to this. And, you know, by five or six, that's when you can probably make some quite big gains. So that's, that's going to be a key part of the season, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you can go from, your, if you if you started to see them with, with one of Haaland or Kane, you could possibly switch up your front line to go all budget with Solanke and Mitrovic, for example, and then go bigger in midfield or, or even in defence if you want to. You're right, you are... Kane and Haaland to Slanky and Mitrovic, wow. Well, Kane or Haaland, I would have said. Ooh. I don't think <laughs> was going to start saying... Well, you, but you look at this and you think, well, if Solanke is going to score in any spell of the season, it's going to be this one. I mean, uh, Bournemouth are going to score some goals. And if Bournemouth are going to score some goals, Solanke is what... I think it, his, his involvement was something like 50 or 60% in their goals last season. He is going to be the one involved. Same for Fulham in that eight to game week 14 run, Mitrovic will get some points there. I'm not saying that they're going to t- mm. keep tally with Kane and Haaland maybe, 
but the money that you'll free up will help you invest elsewhere. Perhaps you then could get Madison in for a Martinelli, like you say, because Arsenal's fixtures are bad. Madison's are very strong. So a swap from an Arsenal player to a, to a Madison is on, right? A Saka maybe. And if you've gone Jesus, another player, he's our poster boy for this episode, right? Jesus is run from this point on, given that they're in Europe as well and his minutes could be managed a bit more. We don't know if he's going to be the striker who plays in Europe or it's mm. going to be in Ketia. You know, you can use the wildcard at this point to get yourself out of that and reinvest somewhere else. Um, I, for me, this is the, the swing area. There's always a point where you think, is there a fixture swing? And I think between five and six, maybe six and seven is where it's at. And it works really well with the timing of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting as well. I mean, you, you look at this list of teams and, and just thinking about the the quality of the Premier League this season, I think it's it's really high. I mean, the the top six battle is, is going to be really interesting. You've got a team like Newcastle investing heavily, West mm. Ham's on the outskirts. I think there's going to be some whipping boys. I think the, the quality is so high in a lot of these sides that I'm looking at teams like Bournemouth, I'm looking at Fulham, I'm looking at Southampton, Leeds... These kind of guys. If careful, they don't get off, careful. No, I think Forest are going. I think Forest are going to be all right. I think of all the three sides, they're 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 making good signings. And you know, Jesse Lingard isn't a, a relegation signing. That's a mid-table, you know, confident signing. And clearly, have got the money. But I, I think there's going to be teams that we target. And I look at Bournemouth's fixtures, and I look at Forest, Brighton, Newcastle, Brentford, Leicester, and I think, ah, oh, Bournemouth are going to probably be bottom of the league by that point. Sorry, Bournemouth fans. And that's not a great run of fixtures for them. I, I can't see myself going for like Solanke, for example. Well, so I think I think there's going to be certain games that we really target by by this point, and we'll know who those teams are. I think I, so, I just think some teams are going to completely fall away this season, and some are going to do really well. I disagree. I think Solanke in that run looks good. I mean, for six million, I think he's yeah. going to be he's going to offer. It depends. I mean, I, I definitely prefer Mitrovic, and I probably will prefer Johnson, but I still think Solanke will be worth a look in that run. If he's not, if you're not going to look at it, then he's gone, isn't he? He's not. He's not I a mean, factor. So. I talk about teams. Well, I mean Everton, for example. I mean they just, oh, got, yeah. they just yeah. got smashed by Minnesota FC. I mean they're gonna. They're in trouble already, aren't they're they? In, they're in. They're in. I mean, they're in big, big trouble. I think it's Lampard. What he's saying as well. He, he's he's going straight to the players. He's like you know, whereas other managers would normally go, I'm taking the responsibility of that I didn't prepare the team. We're still a bit behind on fitness, etc. There's lots of excuses you could make for losing four 0 in a friendly. No one really takes it seriously. But he's dug out his players straight away. And I'm like, oh, don't have Trevor's to do that. Run. You don't have to run. do that. Conceded a, a fluke goal, an average goal, another fluke goal. <laughs> oh, shut up, Frank. I don't, I don't like his communication at all. And I, if I was a player playing under him, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't have thought. And that, that's not a good sign when you're going into a season without Richarlison, who arguably is your best player as well. And they he haven't really them. replaced Basically, him. Basically, yeah. saved them, yeah. So, you know, as a Forest fan, I'm looking at that and lapping that up because I'm thinking, well, I don't see them starting the season well and how long is Lampard going to be given if that's the case? If they keep him on till Christmas, they could be adrift. But it's, it's hard to say. I think you're right. I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be Ones we target. That's always the case. Absolutely, cast adrift. Yeah. Do you see that? Do you see there's a big gap between the bottom and the rest? I really do. Yeah. Because I mean, I look at I look at teams like you know Villa and Brighton. I think that they're strong. Wolves could kind of go either way. They had such a strong Mm. half the season last year, and then such a poor one at the end. I think Palace are going to kick on. Brentford, I'm backing to kick on this season as well. I know they've lost Ericsson and you know they haven't really got that creativity in there, but. Mm. I still think, you know, I don't, I can't see them being one of these kind of sides that, that we look to target. But there are definitely, I mean, Everton, Everton, Bournemouth and Fulham and Southampton and Leeds, that's five. Yeah. Those five yeah, teams I, are going to be the ones in the mix. Do you not see the Brentford suffering from the Sheffield United 
difficult second season syndrome. I, I think there could be something in that for them. Yeah, they could. I think, could. I think goal, goals goals are going to be the problem for them, if, mm. especially if they don't sign a new kind of creative. Because I'm, I'm, it's De Silva, isn't it, who's been playing in, in pre-season. Mm. Um, but he's not Christian Eriksen, is he? He's not I Christian Eriksen, that's it. It turned them around completely when they brought in a world-class creative player. What a surprise. I mean, Tony oh, yeah. you know, was unlocked, if you like. And they were struggling before he came in. They were looking like they were going to get pulled into it. So I think they could be in the mix. And, and Forrest aren't. We might be signing good players. It's going to take a while for them to gel. So we're going to be in it. We're going to be bottom three mm. after five or six games for sure. It'll be the spell after that, that when we start to settle that will be telling. But I don't think we're going to be out of it by any means. Um, we'll see, see who else comes in. Right, so these charts from... Uh, I want to bring up these charts from Chase. Uh, FBL underscore Chase. Excellent Ooh. account, uh, particularly if you're into analytics. He's one of the analytics FC, if you like. He was featured, or these were featured, on one of uh, Luke's recent... Uh, you see Luke's gone off and he's seen other podcasts. I know. Yeah. We stole his name for this this episode. That'll teach you. Kind, kind of. of, kind of. <laughs> Inspector Goals, if you haven't listened to it or watched it, it's on YouTube. It's also a podcast, I believe. It's Luke and Sam doing really, really, really kind of deep analytical stuff using XG a lot more, even than us, right? But he, I was going to use these charts before Luke nipped in and used them before me, so I'm, I'm, I'm claiming them still. I'm not going to not do it because Luke did, because I thought these were, were some of the best that I saw over the summer break so far. Just to explain what I'm showing on screen here, it's a, it's a table of all the teams in the Premier League sorted by the far right column, which is basically May 2022, so the final month of the season. It is XG. Um, non-penalty, so that's attacking XG, um, scaled by the fixture difficulty um, in the in the month. Um, it looks at the four to five games in a given month, but it also blends that with four to five games of the previous month to give you a 10, a 10 match rolling basic value. Effectively, what we're seeing here, though, is the gulf um, between the top teams mm. and the rest. I mean, look at, look at City and Liverpool, look at the, the fact that their XG remains two or just over two for every part of the season last season, it, they were just absolutely well consistent with their ruthlessness in terms of XG, weren't they? Well, I mean, what is interesting about those two sides, though, is they're both going to, in theory, have to adopt new ways of, of playing. I mean, Liverpool have lost Mane now. Um, you know, Nunes is, is up top, different kind of, of striker yeah. maybe to, to what he was he was doing last last season. Um, you know, Diaz, they've done well to get in Diaz in January because he's had that kind of bedding in in, in season. So, you know, half a season. Um, but City as well, I mean, with Haaland, it's, it's going to be, you know, Pep's been, I think Pep said, we're just going to get him the ball into the box as much as possible or something like that, which isn't really the way they kind of play normally. So I, I think Haaland can obviously adapt to kind of any way they want to play. And I think Nunes is, you know, four goals in, in preseason, not always a lot you can you can take from that. But, you know, he, they've paid £80 million for him. They, there's clearly a hell of a player there. So these players will be able to adapt. But are we going to see a bit of a bedding in period for for them? Um I mean, it doesn't really matter because we're all going to have their players anyway. But again, it's interesting. They're at the top of this list. Tottenham as well, making loads of signings. You know, um, where's Richarlison going to fit? What's going to think? You've got to think they're going to improve and get stronger. Chelsea, new backline, Sterling coming in. There's a lot of change at these top clubs, but you've got to think they're all going to improve. Yeah, look at Spurs after Conte as well. If you look at from December onwards, look at the improvement in their XG. Marked, right? And, and you know, it, you can. that's what we were talking about when a new manager comes in. You know, that made a big difference to Spurs. Um, and similarly, you look at Arsenal in the second half of the season, with December onwards, they really improved as well in terms of their attack. Mm. Um, and when you look at the defence, which is the next one we're going up, it, it's mirrored in that as well. I mean, what's interesting from the defensive, because then this is rolling XG non-penalty conceded. 
Um, again, look at the look at City here, though. I mean, it's like they didn't get to uh, a, a value greater than one at any point in the season on this chart, which shows they were consistently the best defence throughout the season by quite a margin. Liverpool closed the gap towards the end, as this table shows, and they were as good, if not slightly better, at the end. But City over the season were just consistently the best defence. So we, we have to take from that. We've got to have at least one City defender. And obviously there's one that stands out. But if you don't have Cancelo, you've got to have another City player, haven't you? You've got to have an Edison or you've got to have a Diaz, don't you not think? I mean, you, you can't just be watching City hoping they're going to concede a goal because you'll, you'll be tearing your hair out. I mean, they, they do, you know, occasionally concede a, a goal you wouldn't expect. Um, you know, like all teams, well, there's always going to be sort of lapses. But they, I mean, they had like defensive, you know, um, injuries and things last season. I mean, you know, there was times when... Well, Ake was playing at left back and, you know, Diaz was injured and, you know, Laporte got suspended or something in there or, or something. I oh, know he got injured as well. I mean, they've had, they had their, they were kind of rotating in and out, but it never seemed to really make much of a difference to how many clean sheets they were getting. Um, they're, they're, they've had a really interesting window because they've lost some quite key players like Jesus mm. with all the running that he did on mm. that right-hand side, Sterling with all the goal contributions he had. Um, you know, Fernandinho's gone. I mean, he was playing last season. I mean, he was he was looking like an old man at, at times. So they brought Phillips in as obviously that kind of replacement. But then they've lost Sinchenko as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's it, again it's really really interesting. See, I don't think it's going to affect them that much. These are kind of all the kind of fringy type players, and the, the players they brought in have obviously massively strengthened them. If Cucurella goes as well, that's going to be one hell of a no if. for them. There's no if, is there? It's definitely going to happen, isn't it? Definitely going to happen. They'll, they will have to pay 50. I said, I said, I used to go, didn't I? They'd have to pay 50 million for him. Um, Bloom won't budge on that, I don't think. Maybe 45 he, No, but. I mean, like, we. I think I said on the last episode that we did, Cucurella is right up there for his age group mm. in terms of attacking fullbacks in the world. Um, so yeah, he's, he's one of the best examples of a young wingback fullback. Uh, in the world at the moment. So they've got to pay for it. They've got to pay top dollar. So I think you will get more than the 30 that they bid, but not sure you get 30 the 50. Million. Come on. 30 million. Is it, it's, a, it's, it's standard, isn't it? I refuse to do business with them after that. Um, FBL <laughs> Chase has then done this chart, which is the difference between non-penalty XG conceded and XG non-penalty gained. And again, you see from the mass of blue just how much more effective the top teams, that is City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, were than the rest of the division. Yes, Spurs and Arsenal, their form was more patchy. I say form, this is when they, they perform better in terms of XG. XG gained versus XG lost. Um, but City and Liverpool were just untouchable, weren't they, for both here, as this chart shows. So, so there's a there's a top two, there's a, a group of three, maybe four teams, you could say, and then the rest, there's quite a gap to the rest, isn't there? And then obviously the bottom are, are going to struggle. That's what we saw last season. Mm. Do you think things will change? Do you think the the pack behind those top four or five teams will close the gap? Do you think the likes of Villa, maybe West Ham, maybe Newcastle will edge a little bit closer or do you still see there being a gulf? I think that the, the trouble is with, with all the teams except for City and Liverpool is they can go on runs of just not picking up points and not playing that well. I mean, look at Villa. Yeah. You know, they're so strong under Gerrard and then just drifted off you know, massively, Arsenal, they had a really bad blip. You know, that cost them fourth place when they just started losing. They lost to Brighton, they lost another game um, and they kind of really struggled. I mean, Wolves had such a strong first half and then just tailed away. Southampton always starts strongly and then tail away. And so, you know, there's so many teams like that who, you know, they have one or two kind of bad results. Maybe someone like West Ham, you know, they were in Europe and then that kind of caught up with them. Leicester as well. 
I just think City and Liverpool have just, I think Spurs are the team that could really enter into it this season. Mm. And I can't quite believe I'm saying that, but you look at the squad depth they've got now across all of their different positions, you know, at wing back, they made two great signings. Sorry about Jed Spence, uh, not signing for Forrest. Uh, You know, Richarlison's come in. I don't know what his role was really going to be, but you know, if he can come in and just give Son a break or if Kane gets injured or something like that, they've got like a, a top quality replacement there. I think they're the only team that can really kind of push it. I look at Chelsea and just think they're still light. They're still light in that forward role. Lukaku was the perfect fit mm, and that yeah. didn't work out. And, you know, losing, losing Rudiger's a big miss. Is Sterling going to adapt quickly? Yeah, I, I think the other teams are just are just too far away. I think it's going to be Spurs, City and Liverpool. They're going to be the top three. I mean, Chelsea look to have made their defensive signings. I think uh, I think Kunde is um, on the way. Koulibaly is already there. Sterling, I mean, I thought Sterling, I think we see Sterling in, in a team later mm, on. So surely yeah, you, back, you back him, but you don't see with those signings, I guess it's a bedding down period, right, for all three of those players, if Kunde does come in. Um, you don't see them make, well, I guess if they lose points early on, they're not going to make up ground. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Chelsea's opening fixtures, which is, which is why I'm, I'm going for Sterling. And I think he's got a bit of a mm. point to prove and all that kind of thing. And I rate him so highly as an FPL play I mean I know he's he's burned us both in, in the past missing penalties and, and that um, but you know he's he's definitely got the pedigree but you know losing Rudiger is a big blow and you know, there's going to be games in which you know that are really tight that can be decided by you know a goal and do they really have you know they, they've got they just I just have they got that real clinical player in the side who can just take that chance that's not Sterling really we've seen him kind of underperform um, in the past he you know, he he he's, he scores some amazing goals and great goals, but a lot of, there are some goals that you'd expect him to score that he, he kind of doesn't. Havertz is is kind of the same, so I think <laughs> that's, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the difference. I look at yeah. City, Liverpool, and Spurs, and think they've all got these really clinical guys now. You know, who are going to decide matches for them, and I think Chelsea are going to drop points in games in which they shouldn't, yeah. and that will, that will ultimately cost them. This is it. I mean, you can't afford to drop points. I it, it's at the point where now City and Liverpool will think they've got to win every game. Mm. And a draw is, I mean, it doesn't seem a lot. You know, if Liverpool go to um, Arsenal and draw one all, you think, well, that's not a bad result. You know, two points lost yeah. is almost disastrous when you're chasing another team like City and vice versa, right? So the standard is ridiculous now, the top two, that even though Spurs and Chelsea and Arsenal are good teams who we perhaps 10 years ago would have challenged for the title, maybe even five years ago, but in this current landscape, there's no mercy from Liverpool and City, are there? Which well, it's just the mentality, isn't it? The mentality of those two teams is is yeah. exactly that. It's win every game. And Spurs historically have had amazing sides, but have never had that ruthless mentality of, of being able to grind out, you know, a win when they've been really, really struggling. I mean, Conte had some had some really bad results last season. You know, remember that Burnley match when he kind of threatened mm. to throw in the towel and things, you know, then they lost one nil. And, you know, it's just whether they've still got that in them or whether these new signings are going to push him up to that next level. I mean, they couldn't have had a better transfer window. They've literally addressed every weakness and every, you know, thing they had. And they've got such a strong side and such a good manager. They, they've got to be competing, but are they going to get all Spursy? Yeah. So, basically, it's simple. You target City, Liverpool, maybe Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal, don't you? That's it. Five teams. Is that yeah. it? Is that really it? Because it does look <laughs> that way, doesn't it? And actually, when you start putting a team together, as you said, when you looked at Prazio's team earlier, you can. Yeah, I mean, Spurs are the kind of anomaly because it's, it's really hard to fit in Kane and Son into this team. And people were so hot on, on Kulusevski, but then Richarlison's come in. Yeah. And it's, it's made us question. I mean, I don't really know how I feel about Kulusevski because I kind of, 
he was basically locked into my side until Richardson came. Then I took him out. Mm. Then I've been thinking about it. And the more I think about it, the more I think, does it actually affect Kozewski that much? How much Richarlison, he plays on the left predominantly, or up front. he's not going to go into the right and take his spot. Kozewski's going to drop to wing back. Now Spence is there. So we're probably going to see Kozewski play in the majority of games, 30, 30 starts, probably something like that for 8 million. Maybe he is still the route into that Spurs attack. Mm, I don't see it. I think his minutes will, of, of the three, Kane, Son and Kulazeski, you think he's the one who's going to get hooked first. I mean, he's going to get taken off in every single game. Yeah. Is he not? Like, so that straight away when you think, you know, if I'm going to have one of those three, am I going to have the one that's definitely going to get subbed or am I going to have Kane who... who but he's four million less. Is, probably that's, isn't. That's, that's I know, of course, but yeah, I don't think you double on the Spurs attack. I mean, you might go Son and Kane, right? But... You're not going to get Kulazeski and Kane. I think I think I wouldn't anyway. I, I I think that, and he's in that bracket, the eight million bracket. We're going to have a look tonight at Mount and Saka. I think it's between Mount and Saka for that at the moment. Diaz obviously is in there if you're not going Robertson. So I think those three, Diaz, Mount, Saka, are ahead of Kulazeski for me. Until we see, I mean, this is what I mean. If we're going to play the wildcard five or six or whatever around that period, you can move then. Don't don't think you've got to commit to him now. But that's that, that's, that's to. exactly my point. Spurs' yeah. fixtures are so strong at the start of the season that I'm looking at the eight million bracket. And I, I think Diaz is, is the standout. Um, mm. Exactly like you say, I, it's, it's really hard to make a case against him. I think they could have pushed his price. I don't think he's not an, he's not an eight million. I know he didn't really kind of deliver consistently last season, but mm. he, he has the potential to be, you know, if he if he starts the first couple of games and scores two or three goals, he's going to go like 70% owned or something like that, isn't he? He's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Whereas I think Kulazewski is someone that is, is going to massively fly under the radar because people are going to be going for Kane, they're going to be going for Son, or they're going to be going for no one because, you know, people are going for Perisic. I have my doubts about him after speaking to Neil and doing some stuff with him on, on the kind of wing-back situation. I mean, Conte's already massively downplayed Spence and said... Oh, what he said about Jed, I can't believe it. I I thought of you straight away. I know. He said he's just kind of a squad player. The the club sees him as one for the future. Uh, He he was just kind of like... He's basically saying, don't don't expect, don't put me under any pressure to play him. I'm not going to. That's exactly what he said. He was always basically saying, I, I I didn't really want him, but the club wanted to make an investment in him. That's almost what it said to me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Forrest made a bid. I, I, I think basically he said to them, I'm going to Spurs, if Spurs are after me, and they went, fair enough, we'll go elsewhere. Or they consider Nico a better bet. Nico Williams who's come in. So mm. it's really, it was really interesting that, because it looked like Spurs, they were taking their time on it, weren't they? And they were. It, it seemed, well, Boa, Chris Wilder has said that Forrest didn't bid. So, yeah, I mean, the, like good thing for, the good thing for Spence is that he's... Mm he's going to get chances to impress because yeah. Doherty probably won't carry on the form that he had last season. Mm. Emerson Royale was completely out of favour towards the end. Maybe we see Kuzewski go back to wing-back but, or go to wing-back. I, I doubt that's going to happen. Well, he's, talking about, he's talking about playing more out there though, isn't he? He's talking about yeah. Lucas Moore's wing-back. Well, yeah, but is that going to happen? I, I don't know. I think Sp- Spence, will, Spence will have the bit in his team to kind of impress him and mm. he'll get chances and he's just got to hope that once he gets in he, he can show what he what he did for Forrest. Mm. I, I, I think Spence could could be... Could, could make that his own, that spot. Yeah. He'll win well, Conte around. Well, I have to say, um, this is what was interesting. I think we've looked at there, you isolate those teams, as we said there, right? And you're maybe going to include one, maybe two of those players outside those top five or six teams. So what about spending? What about where you spend your money in position? What this chart shows, and apologies, I didn't get the account that posted this up. <gasps> I know, again, so I can't give you a plug. If you're out there, I do apologise in advance. Um, I'm not sure who this was, but it, it was an interesting graph which basically plots points per game last season against the various positions and price points. 
Um, and obviously on the podcast, you're not seeing this, but effectively it shows the forwards delivering less value per million in terms of points per million than any other position. That's something we, we know about already. They're behind midfielders, they're behind defenders, and they're behind goalkeepers. But what's interesting here is, is things like, you know, your 5.5 forward delivers less than your 5.5 midfielder and definitely less than yeah. even the 5.5 keepers and defenders. 5.5 keepers and defenders, about even. You know, for forwards then, you've got to go into the 10 million plus bracket before they start to get to the point where they compete for points per game with the midfielders. It's, it's stuff we knew, but it's quite interesting to see it visualised like this, isn't it? Mm. No, it absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, the defenders, I, just, I mean, you know, you look at someone like Dean and Cash um, or, or Trippier, who we're going to talk about later, you know, these five million defenders. I mean, you look at midfielders and forwards, there's no one that's going to get close to, to players like that. I mean, you know, Cash, Dean, these could be getting 140, 150 points for, for five million. It's, it's an absolute yeah. joke. And then you look at players like, I don't know, Tony at, at seven million, Bamford at seven five. We mentioned these. There's, there's literally no comparison. I mean, the only the only thing that kind of salvages it in some way is that if you do load up on your five defenders, you've got to go with two two non-playing forwards, pretty much. Yeah. Um. And and not you know and and run the risk of limited flexibility. That's the kind of the trade-off between it. But realistically, the, the defenders are going to massively outscore the, the similar positions to them. But yeah, do 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 you make that trade? I'm I'm seeing somewhere in the middle. I'm seeing people with. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen any anyone with three forwards really. I'm seeing no, lots of five no. at the back. But I think four four two is is the way to go. Yeah, interesting. I, I I'm probably going to start with a five at the back and one forward and oh, two yeah. non-playing yeah. forwards. I think that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, just mm. because it gives me that ability to switch between Kane and Haaland, as we'll see later on, if I want to. Um, and then I'm going to change it up game week five or six with the wild card. Anyway, again, plan for just the, the first four or five game weeks. Don't plan. You don't have to pick your formation now for the rest of the season. No. And you, obviously you don't have to pick your squad now for the rest of the season either. So you've got to always remember that. But the value offered by defenders is clear. What's interesting is goalkeepers being downgraded. They've, the top keepers have come down 0.5 to from 6 to 5.5 and suddenly they're on a par with the 5.5 defenders according to this chart, right? So that's interesting, isn't it? Because before we would never consider a top-tier goalkeeper, but now I think it does bring them into it. And I think of all the changes that FBL made this season with the pricing, I think that was the most positive for me because it actually brought Edison and Allison into the argument a bit, didn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Allison. I'm not really buying that. I don't think Allison is, is is a consideration at all, given that there's like seven attacking players that you could go for, including yeah. the fullbacks. Yeah. But Edison, definitely. I mean, if you're if you're thinking of saving some money and not going for Cancelo, for example, but you're looking at tapping into that city defence, you know, Edison's 0.5 less, and there's some really good 4.5 defenders and cheap defenders that you can go for. So you can actually save money doing that. You know, if you go for, say, you go for Ray and Diaz, that's going to cost you 10.5. But if you go for um, Edison and a four five, that costs you ten. So you save you save a bit of money, and arguably have a, a better pick. It's just again flexibility. You can move. I mean, you know, you could potentially move Diaz on or something like that. Maybe maybe Kukurella does sign, and you know, you can move him down. For example, where you're, you're stuck with Edison, but then you're only for six weeks, six seven well, weeks. Well, you're not stuck. No, as I yeah, said, because exactly. by game week eighteen, you'll be on your third keeper. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why I think Edison's actually a very good buy, and he's in my team at the moment. Because what also he gives you is a bank of money, right? And you know that if it gets to game week three and four and there's a bandwagon and you're not one short, you know you can spend four points and swap that keeper down to a five or four or five, most likely. You wouldn't want to do it because you don't want to make a keeper transfer. Mm. But if if the, the what's-his-name hits the fan and you go, I've got to find not one, if you've got Edison in goal, 
you know you can afford to step down and free up some money, whereas otherwise it could be more painful to try and free up some money. I mean, there, there is, you know, we'll look at keepers now. There is normally very little between the four or five keepers and the top tier keepers. There's always one mm. or two that kind of bridge the gap. Um, so I think over the start of the season, Edison won't be far. I don't think Edison will be miles off one of the four or fives, right? Over the entire season, he'll probably be 20, 30 points ahead, right? So he will win out over the season because City will keep 19, 20 clean sheets for sure, I would have thought. So I think if you're looking short term, Edison's a good bet because he gives you that bank of money you can come down off if you need to, if there's an emergency, and you know you're going to change it with your wild card five or six anyway. And you know you can change again later on with the with the World Cup. So I think with the downgrading price, I think Edison definitely a good option now. I think of all the all the player positions, they really did now the the goalkeepers because I'm also I, I've always just had a four point five and never really considered anything else. But I think there's good options in the five million bracket. You know, Mendy's really popular, or you can go up to five point five. There should never be a six million. Keeper, you just no. you're just never going to kind of go there. So, yeah, I like it. I think maybe Lloris could have been five. That would have been interesting. Yeah, Other than that, yeah. I think it's, it's it, they've done really well with that. Yeah. So looking at player data over the season, I'm showing um, points by, well, it's ranked by FPL value, and it just it just mirrors that graph there. You can see the keepers and defenders are by far and away the best value players. Obviously, this is going to favour players who played a lot of games, who scored a lot of points. So don't. Don't go buying players off necessarily. This is just to illustrate the point about defenders and keepers. You've got to go down to the 30th place player, which is James Ward-Prowse, before a midfielder creeps into the reckoning with 24.46 um, points per million. Right, so it's um, mm. this this yeah just illustrates it, doesn't it? And then the, the best forward is Tony in 75th spot, 19.86. <laughs> it just shows you the gap in terms of value you get from your forwards and the rest. The positions, particularly defenders and keepers, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's embarrassing, isn't it? And, and I think they didn't they didn't factor that in enough with the forwards. They didn't bring them down to to no. the level in which we we would really start considering. I mean, you know, you make Tony six five, for example, you make Bamford six five. You know, you bring these guys down to the kind of defender level, and they've reduced the price of defenders. If anything, you know, Cash and Dean are, are, were five five, and now they're five. And, Creswell, you know, Ka- Creswell's five as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like. I mean, you know, Ka- Cash is, is is the second highest value player, um, you know, on, on this list with, with his new price tag. So, yeah, I, th- I think you, you've got to take that into consideration. I mean, you know, obviously the big guns are going to be important for us, but, you know, the defenders let you get in those those big names. And that's why five at the back is so popular because of what it lets you do to the rescue team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously now if you sort by points per 90... Um, it's a very different set of players because this isn't favouring those who play many, many games. It isn't like ever presence at the top. It's purely on points that the player's got per 90 minutes. And then you obviously start to see a bigger variety of players. And, and that's where Salah and De Bruyne and Son really come into their own. So the, the, this is the stat that you're going to use your pick your team. But I think in terms of structuring your team, FBL value and, and the value offered by defenders is, is a key thing, isn't it? Basically, that's, that's the lesson learned, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some interesting names on there. I see Torres uh, making an appearance on, on Black Box. Oh, fifth. I should have deleted him. Damn. Why? <laughs> I've deleted all the players who are no longer in the Premier League and I've missed Torres. It's like I've got a blind spot for Torres, eh? What's that about? <laughs> I know. But it's really, I mean, again, this list is is, is great because it, it shows you, you know, just because these players haven't played, like, I mean, Chilwell's right at the top of the list, for example, six starts, you know, best points per 90 um, of, of any player in in those six stars, but you know you, you look at like Sterling's on here. He's ha- he's had this move now. Kulusevski, uh, Lingard, Lingard's on there. 
They're well. funny, I mean, that, aren't they? Only mentioned yeah. number six of the show so far. I know, yep. yeah. Uh, Mares, for example, I mean, we, you know, people might think that he's going to play more now that Jesus has gone and Sterling's out. So there's a lot of players on this list in which circumstances meant that they might play, you know, maybe more or have more mm. prominent roles in their side. Um, Kulusevski case is a bit of the unknown. Um, but yeah, you'd expect a lot of players to actually kick on um, yep. from this. So it's, it's good to look back. And, and have the knowledge of who's going to do well next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some interesting players on here. What do you make of, of Visser down in 18th? 6.44 points per game. He played, he started 12 matches, seven goals, two assists. Under the radar a bit, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked him as, as a 5-5 option. Brentford's fixtures are kind of okay. I was looking at Tony, um, a bit put off by Tony because they haven't signed this new kind of number 10. Visser's really cheap. It's just, it's just Traore, Neto, isn't it? Neto is just such an obvious... Yeah. 5-5, five, five, golden assist in pre-season um, already, you know, playing kind of as a striker in that role. He's, I mean, he's just definitely underpriced and Wolves' fixtures are so good. So mm. I guess it's useful if, if maybe you're thinking about three premiums, if you're thinking Salah, you know, Kane or Haaland and Son, maybe, and you're going to go with two cheaps. Visser is, is probably the next in line for that. But really, I think Neto is, is, is just a better pick. And Sterling surprised me, uh, 6.89 points per 90, never, ever came into our reckoning at all last season because of the fact that he only started 23 games in and out of that City team, never consistent in the runs that he had. But he still delivered 13 goals and 7 assists and 6.89 points per 90. If he can take that to Chelsea and be largely ever-present, which is what I expect, he's got to be a factor, isn't he? Well, yeah, I think 20, 20 goal involvements for, for any player in the league is, 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 is amazing, is, is brilliant. And, you know, for him to have got 20, barely have been trusted, really. I know he's playing for City. He kind of got cut into account. But, you know, he's then had a big price drop, got a big move somewhere else. I mean, it can't have been easy for Pep to let him go. Because, no. you know, he delivers He delivers in, in every season. You know, he gets these numbers. He hasn't, he hasn't been at his best for, for a while now. But look at him in the Euros for England. He's clearly still mm-hmm. got it, still got that absolute potential that Pep loved. I mean, he was Pep's boy, wasn't he, for, for so long. Obviously, just wanted more money or wanted, you know, better security of starts or something that, that couldn't be offered by, by Pep. But I'm sure that would have been a really, really reluctant sale. And I'm sure Sterling's going to go on and try and show that he should never have been released and should have just been given what he wanted. I am tempted, you know, I am tempted. Yeah. Interesting down the bottom, 47th Saka, 5.41 points per 90. Martinelli, 5.33, just behind him. And yet there's 2 million difference. How are you seeing that? those two because that's that's quite a crucial question because if you if you can be happy with going Martinelli over Saka that two million difference can make a big effect on your team right it absolutely can I, I just there's no well I mean people know this already there's no just no danger with Saka is there like you, you, you starts, know he's going right? to play every, every yeah. game and Martinelli's competing with Smith Rowe I want you know we are going to see Enketia feature as well we just signed this new contract yeah. Does he does he does he pair them up? Does it go Jesus and and and, and catch up front? Does he, you know, Jesus can play it on the right? Could he even play on the left? I, I don't know. I just worry a bit about Marcelli's kind of. I mean, the thing with that Marcelli gives is just so much energy down that left hand side. Like he is important to the way Arteta sets up. But I do expect him to start the majority of of games. Six million is a good price for him. You could you could do a lot worse. I like him as an option. I can see why he's so popular, but. There's always going to be that element of one or two bad games. Smithrow comes in, does well, he's out of the picture. Arteta likes to stick with players who are who are, who are playing well, giving mm-hmm. giving them a chance. So I expect him to start, but he's always going to be one or two bad game a week away. And look up Smithrow; he always scores on the bench, doesn't he? 
Might get Penzo Martinelli early on. I think he's a good bet for the first few or four game weeks. I think like I think pre, Jesus. I think Jesus. Wild card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have thought so. You'd have thought so. But it's not absolutely certain, and that he's you know, yeah, you know, that's the thing. That's your lot for part one of FBL Black Box episode seventy-five. Make sure you join us for part two because in that we start looking at ownership across the four positions. We'll look at the community template as it stands right now. And as an eye, will reveal our first drafts with two weeks to go. Join us in that part two. Podcast Network.